Hello and welcome to this episode of Saga Senna. I'm Saga and I'm the person behind Wild Moon Lilith and of course this podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the role of nature in personal practice and witchcraft. Now, at the time of recording, it's the 30th, so we're nearing New Year's. And as such, I know that there's a lot of people who tend to go into New Year's being ready to, you know, make their New Year's resolutions and swear to do better, be better, go to the gym, (laughs) do all these changes. And in that sort of spirit, I kind of wanted to tap into that energy and talk about something that's very important to me and that I think is very important for, or should be very important for practitioners everywhere. And that is the role of nature. And we're going to go into activism. I'm going to give a heads up. So if you're not into stuff such as activism or you know, talking about the climate or talking about things that can be perceived to be political, then this is your official warning to maybe tap out and skip this episode because I'm going to be talking very frankly about my opinions and, you know, activism and I'm going to be very strongly expressed for us needing to make a change in favor for the climate. (laughs) To summarize it before I even get into it. Now, before I get started, I want to go through my disclaimer. In Saga Senna, I speak my mind based on my own personal experiences, opinions, and thoughts on things. As such, I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong or tell you what to think or do. Consider this a fireplace of old where we gather to exchange stories, opinions, and experiences. These are my thoughts offered to you, and you can take it for what it is. But with that said, go find yourself something nice to drink or eat if that's available to you. Cozy on down, and let's get started. Whether you're a person who believes that climate change is real or not, or you believe in mankind's effects upon the climate and nature and all that stuff. I want it to be known that in this podcast episode, I'm going to express my opinion and my opinion is that we are indeed affecting the climate and nature. I believe that every cause has an effect and that every action has a reaction And so for me, it's the most natural thing in the world to accept that what we do has, well, a result and or consequences. And for me, as someone who's been very dedicated to the cause of nature, if you will, since I was very, very, very young, um, I have seen a lot of changes over the years. I'm 35 years now at the time of the recording and I mean I I remember when I was 13 I tried to start a tiger charity foundation (laughs) I was online mailing people and everything like mailing research scientists out in the field like can I help you (laughs) I was very well intending at 13 
but no one took a 13-year-old serious, and I don't blame people. But, you know, my point is I have a long history of um, following the progression, if you will, of the environment. So that being said, I not only have my personal experience, but I also believe in the science that you can find out there. You might notice my energy shifting a bit because this is a very heavy topic and very personal topic that I care about a lot. So I'm very passionate about making a change, but thinking about the effects that we've seen over the years does get me a little mellow. That being said, I wanted to talk about nature, even though this is a very heavy topic for me in some ways, as you can notice, because I think it is a very, very, very important topic. And I think it's at the heart of witchcraft and a lot of spirituality and sometimes I think we don't talk about it enough because I've seen now I've dipped in and out of witchcraft and spiritual and pagan and heathen communities throughout the years I've mainly been a solitary practitioner I can't talk <laughs> I've mainly been a solitary practitioner for most of my life but I have dipped in and out of you know druidry groups and all that stuff and what I've noticed is depending on what sort of practice or what sort of um, path, if you will, you're on, nature isn't always as much in focus as I would have assumed it to be. I am a self-admitted tree hugger. I do a lot of things and have done a lot of things in my life outside of activism, including personal change, you know, opting out of cars, opting out of meat in my diet, opting out of a lot of things, following the mantra, reduce, reuse, recycle, upcycle, choosing to not go on, you know, flight vacations, doing staycations throughout a lot of my life and doing a lot of things that have been difficult and sacrificial in nature for the sake of reducing my imprint on everything around me. When I was working as a high school teacher, I also very often would bring in the topic of climate and the idea that, yes, one person can't do everything, but everyone can do something. And I understand that there, you know, the, the whole 10 corporations are ruining the planet. Sure, I agree. Um, but I also think that if we all think that way, we all think I'm just one person. Well, if everyone thinks that way, <laughs> then suddenly it's not just one person thinking they're just one person. If every person in a country would like, say, 10 million people think that way, then that's actually 10 million people's worth of impact that is happening. So we can't always be expecting someone else to start or someone else to do something or think that we're so small in the universe that we don't matter. Because like I said, I believe in cause and effect. And I, in my practice, that is very, very core and central is the understanding to me that if you put a certain energy, be it through an action or an intention or a choice or a lifestyle, if you put something out there, you're gonna cause a ripple effect, be it big or small in ways that sometimes we can't even predict, but in witchcraft, of course, we try to. <laughs> we try to direct that. So I do very much believe in the importance of us having a sort of open discourse and discussion about nature, especially 
especially in witchcraft groups and circles, because we are the people, I mean, there are many spiritualities out there that can say this too, but I feel like a lot of witches out there practice a very nature-based practice. A lot of us find our home in nature. A lot of us believe in spirits and in magic and have a kind of animistic worldview. And so if we are these people that feel this way, that go out into nature and commune with nature spirits and the advisors of a forest and deities of nature and, you know, all these things, and we can feel the energy of the earth and the trees and the rocks and everything, then how can we then not naturally feel very strongly that we need to do something for our home, our mother, no matter how you relate to the earth. And as such, I think it's a very important thing to talk about. So as someone who works a lot with energy and who's always been open to communication with non-physical beings from a very, very, very young age, I can't help but to feel what's happening in the world. You know, I'm very fortunate to live in a place where nature is still very healthy and very wild and very untouched in some ways. And I have a lot of gratitude over that. That being said, I also have an awareness of the pain and um, the shifts and the changes that are happening out there. And so I think it's very important that we acknowledge that and start thinking about what we as people and as witches, for those listening in that identify with that label or something akin to that label, can do. I believe that we can do a lot of things energetically and magically, but I also think it's very, very important for us to not forget about doing things in the so-called mundane world as well. Because we have more power than we sometimes give ourselves credit for in the mundane world as well. (laughs) I'm not just talking about spiritual and energetic power here, or willpower, if you will. So basically, what I try to tell people sometimes when I talk about this topic is we often end up feeling very powerless in this day and age, especially when we start going into the rhetoric of well, I'm just one person, or, well, it's the 10 big corporations are doing all the harm, or, yeah, well, it doesn't matter how much I do because my country won't change, or, you know, what's me eating this gonna change when this is happening over in the Amazon? And yes, valid. I think we've all been there and feel those feelings. But what I do want to kind of shift in a perspective here is As powerless as we can feel, I think we sometimes, because of our human nature and even to some extent our animal side of our brain, we're all animal, but (laughs) I'm talking about like aside from the the human construct of society, um, in our biological brain, we sometimes tend to get caught up in us versus them thinking. This is the like most common way of thinking that our brain seem to be able to do is our pack mentality our idea of 
us and them, us and the others, or sometimes even making ourselves the others and all the associations therein. What I think happens sometimes when we talk about the environment is that we cause this conflict of us versus them and we shift the corporations or the governments into them and they become this entity. It's almost like how can I as a person do anything versus this entity of the government or the entity of corporation or entity of capitalism and we forget that every single thing that exists in human contexts are held by humans just like you and me there's no corporation being entity tulpa walking around being this corporation but a corporation is usually a bunch of people trying to do a bunch of things probably often affected by investors and shareholders and pressures and stuff and of course a lot of self-interest i'm not oblivious <laughs> um to the the role that money plays into this i'm talking more about our mindset when we start thinking i can't do anything because corporation xyc are doing this other thing so what we forget is that they are just constructs of people as well yes people with different circumstances and what we might consider to be power in modern society such as money and political influence and all that stuff sure absolutely but what we must not forget is they're just people politicians are just people and we're people and any disparity in between is a part of the societal construct that we have now, sure, I can talk about how money is a societal construct all I want. That doesn't change that we need money to pay the bills or to influence certain aspects of life. I'm here with you. I live. I don't live under a, a rock in the forest, <laughs> even if I want to. No, but um, we all live in society. We know how it works. We know the rules. We know the unspoken societal constructs and contracts that we have around us. But my point is, in all of this, you are a part of it. Just as much as we can talk about corporations as a separate entity, corporations are only corporations because, well, they make the money. And how do they make the money? Well, depending on what sort of corporation it is, that will shift, but that's where the marketplace comes in, right? And who is a part of the marketplace? Well, consumers. So we often tend to forget that we as consumers have power even if it's like where you spend your dollar to buy some i don't know some some gum i don't know if anything just costs a dollar anymore <laughs> uh, i live in sweden so i can't like make the comparison to like the american dollar but wherever you spend your five dollars even if it's just five dollars within quotation marks it's like I said with the thing, if everyone thinks it's just $5 so it won't make a difference, that adds up. You know, if 10 million people are thinking their $5 won't matter, that's $5 times 10 million people, that's a lot of money. And so if we all can realize that we actually have a sense of importance and power, even as we feel like these small 
beings in a bigger capitalist construct or whatever, we might start realizing that even the smallest thing will matter. And those $5 will matter. And it might be small and it might take a long time, but that's how change happens. Not all change happens overnight. Not all change is a revolution. Sometimes the biggest revolution we can get is by shifting and changing what we do. And it's the little steps that helps us get there. And it might take time, but it's better that it takes time than us not doing anything at all, right? At least that's what I believe. <laughs> I believe doing something is better than doing nothing. So those $5 might not feel like much, but shifting that $5 into, say, buying something organic or local instead of something convenient and big brand, now you're giving power to the local market or the organic market and you're causing a direction through your money that becomes your language saying, I want to invest in organic. And then you might tell your friend and you might tell your their friend and, you know, maybe then 10 people start doing it and then a thousand people start doing it and that's how you get a movement. And at some point, the corporations, <laughs> the people behind the corporations whose interest is to make money, for example, depending on what their corporations are, not all corporations are the same, you know, it's not like the big bad I don't, I'm not very much about capitalism, so I might have my own opinions about it. <laughs> but my point is, there will be a reaction. There will be a noticing in the shift of the market. And that's how we make a difference. So as much as we can say, yeah, well, the big corporates won't do anything. We can try to make them through small things. It doesn't have to be radical at all times. And sometimes... The inconvenient truth, and I speak this from personal experience, is that change comes from discomfort. And that's the truth that I think a lot of us don't always enjoy acknowledging. What I mean by that is I live pretty rural. Not super rural, but quite rural. The biggest city is an hour away by train. I have luckily two food stores here, one fast food place, a few smaller stores. That's what I have locally available. I've lived in a place with much less people than here, and here it's still like in the thousands, and we're in the middle of Sweden, <laughs> in the middle of the forest and mountains. Um, but there's still a sense of a community and a marketplace here that means I can actually sustainably live here. <laughs> and buy my food here locally. I have lived in a place where there was about like 800 people before I've moved around a lot until I settled here. Been a bit nomadic, <laughs> a restless soul until I found this place. But even then, there has been choices I've made that have been uncomfortable, that have meant me having to go an extra mile and shift my lifestyle for the sake of making a change. An example is, for the longest time in my life, I did not have a car. I did end up getting a car and I had it for a few years. I got the car when I lived in the place that had very few people. Like I said, there was hardly anything there and even something like trying to get emergency healthcare would take a lot of effort if I didn't have a car. 
And so I felt the need to get a car. But even so, I tried to keep the car and any like car journeys at a minimum and still use public transport. Moving here, I saw an opportunity to, again, shift to a lifestyle where I don't use my car. So I haven't used a car for many years. And it's been uncomfortable. When I was working as a teacher, I had to start commuting to and from work in a place that is pretty rural and that expects most people to have cars because there's a sense of almost like a car community when you get to rural Sweden. It's, if you want to get anywhere, you need a car. That's like kind of a mentality that exists here. And so as good as our country is on public transportation, it could still be very uncomfortable at times. And so I would have to start my day sometimes waking up at 4 or 5 a.m., to go to work and then sit at work for a good hour before my actual workday started because the times didn't align. And I used to have to commute on the school bus as a teacher, <laughs> which, you know, can be both good and bad. <laughs> now, I loved being a teacher and I loved my students. So for me, it was a pleasant experience. And I would take that moment to actually learn to meditate on a very noisy bus every day, every morning. And I noticed that what seemed and felt like discomfort at first, that instead of hopping in my car and driving straight to work, you know, with a good time management in between, so I didn't feel like I had to plan this big excursion just to go to work, turned out to actually give me more peace of mind. I didn't have to worry about because, you know, Sweden can get cold. I didn't have to worry about, like, scraping my car windows or heating my car up or worrying about, has the roads been cleared of snow? Is it going to be icy? Oh my gosh, and do I have to buy some gas, which costs money? Car MRTs, all this stuff, right? Suddenly, it was just a wake up, go to the bus station or the train station, get on, meditate, get to work. Have a bit of a head start in your day, slowly start to prepare for work, and then at the end of the day, you had that hour of, because it took an hour, or up towards an hour, um, you had like that hour to decompress after work. So when I came home, I had left work behind in a different way than if I just hopped in the car, drove home, and then sat down and continued working or something, because heaven knows that as a teacher, you bring a lot of it home. But that aside... I discovered that there was a sort of blessing within the discomfort. It's not always been easy. And tell you what, during these current times, it has been a fear of mine to not have the access to a car to go to places, but having to rely on public transport if I need to go anywhere outside of this place. Absolutely. But you know what? I don't regret it. And that's what I mean with sometimes we have to make choices that are uncomfortable. I've switched to using some products that would be considered one-time products into reusable products. It takes more effort to maintain, to clean them, all that stuff. It's not just like, say, with some paper, you wipe it up and throw the paper away, but you have to actually wash the rag and stuff. Discomfort, but worth it. Yes, organic products and ecological products and vegetarian food can be more expensive. But if you have the means, I think it's worth it. And it doesn't even have to be every day. 
even one day a week or one day a month will make a difference and will send that sort of, like I said, how money can be your voice or a power. It will send a signal in the marketplace that you want more of this product. And the more people buy those sort of products, the cheaper it will become because they will start, it will start a demand for a product and it will kind of start a competition therein, which will lead to lower prices. So my point is, there are a lot of things we can do that I think sometimes we choose not to do because we don't want to compromise on our convenience and we don't want to compromise on our comfort and we don't want to compromise on the quality of life that we have established for ourselves. But let me tell you something. I think, especially as we're starting to notice this a bit more and more now, every day, every summer, every season shift, I think it's worth it to take some discomfort and some hits to our quality of life now in ways that we that might turn out to be blessings like the commuting that I talked about than to take climate change, than to see our fellow living beings having their homes taken away from them. That's just kind of how I feel about that is... Maybe some sacrifices are worth it. And even if it feels like I put in all this effort and I see so little results, the way I see things is I, as someone who's been active and tried to do a lot of things my own way throughout life, I have still seen a shift. And it's because everyone has done all these shifts and changes and even just increasing of awareness of what's going on is causing a shift and a movement in our society. So even if we feel like it doesn't matter in the time, at the time being, like I remember being extremely sad and crying myself to sleep many a nights when I was 13 and trying to start a Tiger Foundation because I was there trying to contact everyone and asking for money and you know, no one cared, no one took me seriously and it, it hurt. You know, and that's a thing that's become a theme when it comes to activism. Oftentimes we feel like we try to do so much and it doesn't have an immediate result or any results. But I think we have to just take a step back and see the bigger picture and also realize that even if we don't see a result, isn't it worth to still try? Isn't it worth it to at least feel like we did something? Even if, even if it doesn't make a difference in the end, you know? I don't know, I, I tend to be a little idealistic there and feel like at least we should try. Because I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. And so I think that activism and the focus on nature and sustainability and all these things are almost like, I want to say a duty, but that's, that's a heavy word. <laughs> but I feel like it's something that is the most natural thing in the world for people who consider themselves witches. And especially if you're animistic or, you know, you consider yourself to be a shaman or a practitioner that works very close with nature, I, I highly encourage you as a listener, and even if you don't feel like you are that sort of practitioner, I highly encourage you, dear listener, to consider all those things in your life. And if there are places where you can agree to compromise and agree to be uncomfortable for the sake 
of our home. And I want to take a little bit of a philosophical excursion here and quickly acknowledge something that I also think is important to keep in mind because I'm also an overthinker and I like philosophy. So it's like extreme combination. <laughs> uh, but I still wanted to, to talk a little bit about this. I, I think we also need to remember that the idea that humans are in the center of everything is anthropocentric. Now, that means that we place ourselves in the middle. In my opinion, we can do this in a in like a well-intending way and in a harmful way. And if you you might notice that I said well-intending, not good way. I, I, I rather focus on that our intentions are good rather than that it is good. And that's because the way I see things is in the harmful way of being focused on humanity as in the center of the universe or whatever on top of some sort of chain or peak consciousness or whatever you want to call it the harmful way is that we consider ourselves the owners or you know judge jury executioner <laughs> of nature we consider ourselves to be smarter better um, in charge and that nature is a resource for us to use or you know we're the ones to judge the value of everything around us. And that's obviously harmful. I don't think I have to explain why. <laughs> then there's the well-intending anthropocentric worldview, which I sometimes notice in even environmental movements. And I do want to bring this up because I also think it's important that we are aware of our underlying values and mindsets when we're working with this from a spiritual and or witchy, if you want to call it that, perspective. Because I think that introspection and self-awareness is very important as well, even when it comes to something like activism. And the well-intending anthropocentric worldview, in my opinion, is something I've noticed, is where we think that we are the protectors of nature. Now, this in of, in of itself isn't really a harmful phrase, right? To be a warrior for nature or a protector of nature. But it still places us in a sort of power dynamic with nature, doesn't it? If we allocate ourselves the protectors of nature, then we still kind of take on the voice of nature. We become the spokespeople of nature. And this in of itself isn't negative. It's well-intending. But I also, I don't know, I, my point is a little bit that I think it's important to remember that in all of this, the reason I feel like we should do something for nature is because we are causing something harmful to onto other existing beings, be they animal, be they spirit, be they spirit in the form of a tree or spirit in the form of a nature spirit. We are doing actions that are causing harm. The reason we want to change that is because, in my opinion, I think it's good if that desire comes from an understanding and a mutual respect and a mutual love and a mutual care and a mutual common decency of seeing that everything around us is of equal importance to us. It's not because we are superior or better or we have to be some sort of protector or warrior for these poor unsuspecting um <laughs> lesser beings 
absolutely not. Life will find a way. I truly believe nature will continue on, no matter what happens, with or without us, and with or without a lot of the species that currently exist. We need to, I think, approach activism in a humble way, in my personal opinion. It's absolutely okay to consider yourself a protector, a warrior, a fighter for nature. I just think it's important that we also remember to ask witches or shamans or practitioners of a form of spirituality where we connect to nature to actually listen to nature and realize that we are doing this together with nature for ourselves and for the tapestry of life, if you will, rather than because we are these superheroes <laughs> or superior or because it's our duty as, as enlightened beings. Because I think there are a lot of enlightened beings out there. <laughs> um, we are far from the only conscious, intelligent species. And that's kind of also what I wanted to bring up in this topic is because this is a podcast that focuses on specifically paganism and witchiness and all that stuff, I think it's important to also bring that sort of awareness and conscious energy into even activism and to remember that we as practitioners who connect with spirits and advisors and you know the protectors and the guardians and the deities and the primordial forces of this universe we always act in connection and through understanding that we are all interwoven interwoven <laughs> my swedish came out uh, but we are all connected interconnected to each other and that's what motivates us is community and unity and connection with all these energies and beings and forces out there not because we are in some righteous superhero rampage but you know if that gets you going then do it because i'd rather take action no matter <laughs> what the underlying thoughts than none but maybe we can take this chance to approach even activism in a new way and to find a way within ourselves to rebuild and create and bring back a foundation of connection to nature and that's what's spurring our activism not self-preservation not feeling as though it is our our god-given right as rulers or protectors of nature because we are superior but to rather connect with our roots and understand that we're all connected we're all a part of the same tapestry and so it's the most natural thing in the world, in my opinion, to seek to maintain that tapestry. Not because our thread in the tapestry is superior or more important than any other thread, but because all threads are equally important. And so it's the most natural thing in the world to try to preserve that or to take action where we're mindful of all the threads in the tapestry or the tapestry itself. So yeah... As we're nearing a new year, perhaps this is something 
that you can bring with you into 2022 to maybe think about what you do for nature, how you do it for nature, and why you do what you do. Because I think that once we find in ourselves the motivation and the foundation for acting out of unity and an understanding of the connection of all of us, be it spirit of a rock or spirit of a tiger or spirit of a fellow man, then I think that it's going to be easier for us and almost more intuitively natural for us to do the things we need to do to try to find a sort of harmony and balance that we clearly are lacking right now in our overpopulated, misguided social construct (laughs) where we prioritize money over lives. And if we act from that sort of foundation and that inner connection with all that is around us, maybe, just maybe, it makes it a little easier for us to even do the things that are uncomfortable or that are a bit of a sacrifice to our quality of life for the sake of another or for the sake of the universe or for the sake of nature, whatever you believe in. Because at least it does for me. It always feels worth it. Because it ends up feeling not like a sacrifice at all, but rather just a natural compromise. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's everything I really wanted to talk about this time. Um, And just kind of rant a bit about something that's very close to my heart and that I feel goes hand in hand with the energies that we try to stir within ourselves at the shift of a calendar in the new year. So if you've listened to this entire episode, you have my biggest of gratitude, my greatest of thanks. It's been heavy, but enjoyable to rant a bit about something that's very, very close to my heart. And it is my honest hope that I've caused some sort of thoughts or reactions or dare I even say inspiration (laughs) to anyone listening into this. And depending on when you're listening to this, if it's before the new year, I wish you a wonderful new year. If it's in 2022 or later, I hope you've had a good one so far and will continue to have a good one. And I wish you a wonderful day or night, wherever you are in this beautiful tapestry of life. (laughs) And with that... If you like this video, if you're watching on YouTube, please feel free to give me a like or a comment or subscribe so I know that you like this content and so you can keep up to date with more of these. And if you're listening in from, you know, Spotify, whatever, feel free to come over to my YouTube channel or my webpage, wildmoonlilith.com. Reach out, connect, and just have a wonderful time. (laughs) Saga out.